And now for something completely different. What am I listening to? I I was just getting ready to stick it in there. I, I sent. Don't it. don't stick it in there, man. <laughs> um, my throat's bothering me because of. Uh, you know that didn't that didn't sound any better. <laughs> my throat's bothering me. Because oh. <laughs> because you're sticking it in there. <laughs> no, I. Uh, Back to the bin. There he oh. is. Boy, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's just juvenile. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And hello. So what time is it over by you? What is it, like 8 o'clock? He's not on <laughs> Mars. Yeah, one time zone away, it's it's 10.30. Uh, it's so early over there. <laughs> I just well, it's not like on. doing the Fantastic Cast when they're at mid-morning and it's 4 a.m. for me. Yeah, I've, I've recorded with Andy a couple of times, but, but usually I let him be the one who's inconvenienced. <laughs> but... Well, we did a we did a Superman show that that Mike has been editing for uh, oh ever, and uh, that we did on a Sunday morning at like ten o'clock. So that was probably a good time for him. Let's see, six hours later, yeah, that's towards the evening. Yeah, that that worked. But normally, like, <coughs> excuse me, when we when we had Andy on back to the bins, but we were we were probably about eleven o'clock our time. Hmm? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was distracted. Sorry, Yoda. Are you there? (laughs) Skype recorder working. Not it is. It's still Hmm. not recording? No. I've got my recording. It says Skype recorder started waiting for Skype. Fuck you. No, just hit stop. Hit stop and then hit record again. Turn off. Turn on. Come on. Come on. His mind says it's recording, and then, you know, as long as we got one person giving us a backup, I think we're okay. Oh, God. Now the window isn't even moving. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's a good thing you've you got not... a new computer. Shut up. Is the squirrel running fast enough in the wheel? <sighs> so Thor 2 was worthwhile? Mm. I was disappointed. It wasn't terrible it wasn't like you know one of these things where i'd be like you know saying oh don't go see it it sucked but i like the first one a lot more see i found the first one did not have as much rewatch value as expected though i walked out of the theater loving it and then when i saw it in the marathon it was like i can check out for this one well i think this one may have some good rewatch value to be honest with you because this while i was disappointed with it the script was pretty you know pretty in depth there was there was a lot of things going on that you might catch the second time or, or I might catch the second time around that you know that I I might have missed in the in a superficial viewing the first time I was also told that the th- in and I am definitely not a proponent of this but I was told that the 3D viewing was superior Oh really cuz I I saw it in 2 as did I but I was told mm-hmm. that in 3D it really kind of popped at you. Hmm. So I, see, I didn't. A... I didn't see anything 3D in the first one that blew my mind. Mm, well, I, I mean, I 
rarely see anything in 3D that blows my mind, period. Except the yeah. world. I find 3D to be in an... <laughs> Except the world. <laughs> ah, 3D's overrated. Oddly enough, my... Jurassic Park worked. I heard I heard that even one of my friends had put that the Jurassic Park 3D Blu-ray is even awesome. I can believe it. That 3D was phenomenal. I don't have a 3D set, though. Maybe I'll watch it on my, like, my little 19-inch set. Yeah, I'm not, so, I'm not ready to sell my soul for a 3D TV. <laughs> no, no. I, although I, I've seriously considered it when I went by the uh, wholesale club and saw the 80-inch TV set. I was thinking, I could sell my soul for that. Nah. But the, the problem with it is, no matter how big you get on the TV set, eventually it just becomes TV. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't, you know, it, you never get the movie theater in your home that you think you're getting, no matter how big you get. Because, I mean, as a kid, you know, we had a 19-inch set in our living room, and we'd all, you know, sit around and watch it, and, you know, you weren't right up against the set, and it seemed fine. Then eventually we got a 27-inch, and it was like, wow, look at that, it's so big. Now you look at a 27-inch, you know, you think, what well, you know, that should be in the kitchen. <laughs> the bathroom. <laughs> got to have it in the bathroom wall. I like where this I is going. I've got an extra TV sitting here. I may, yeah, yeah I think they can make that work. <laughs> the I'm waiting. Set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the Johnny Mnemonic Matrix jack in the back of my head. I'm skipping. I'm not even getting flat screen TVs. I'll wait till they can plug it in my head. <laughs> my ass, my head, whatever. As long as I can see it. All right, I'm going to just leave that right there. <laughs> I don't think I'm going anywhere with that one. <laughs> Once again, I've brought another conversation to a screeching halt. Uh, what do you mean it's recording now? Screw you! Ah. <laughs> then the hell with you! The hell, you're on, you're off. Make up your goddamn mind. I'm mixing my references now. <laughs> but that is one of my favorites. What? Yeah, Come on. So no, awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I say, I say, f you, Joe Boo. <laughs> hats, hats, four bats. <laughs> I forget where I was going. Oh, so are you? Are you doing the uh, Terminator? Or are you doing? Yeah, uh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing Terminator. So you guys can see what I went through because I yeah. I didn't pull it oddly enough for the Arnold. That was the only indie book I had in there. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, nobody twisted your arm to take an indie. I gave you the choice of all. Oh no, no, that's fine. That's fine. But I just I I remembered liking this as a kid, and it turned out I was an idiot. So <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Yeah, it did I, not I, hold up. I hate when childhood memories come <laughs> crashing to a, to the ground. Does you know? I mean, again, being older than you guys. I remember watching the cartoon Gigantor as a kid and thinking, you know, wow, giant robot, all of this shit. And then watching the, you know, watching it as an adult on a, on a VHS tape and seeing this really, really bad Japanese anime. Oh, it was just, just destroyed my childhood memories of it. Yeah, that's why I don't really go back and watch Star Blazers much. Because I'm afraid. I don't, even know, I don't even know what Star Blazers is. I what? Got there were all kinds of ads. I never. I don't think I ever saw the show, but it was an anime that. What? Was <laughs> I I have to go now. I can't talk to you two. I, you know, never seen. Never seen. Oh my god. No, it's not, it's not never seen it. Don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Take the uh, USS. Uh, yeah, USS. Yeah, good, Bill. Blamo. Take the Japanese battleship Yamato and. Um, Put it at the bottom of the ocean. Let the oceans all dry up because aliens, the gamelons, are dropping 
meteor bombs on the earth and the oceans have evaporated and all of humanity is living underground and this is like 500 years in the future and the radiation is slowly seeping its way down into the inside of the planet and the star force uh, has to find a way to get off planet to get to the planet Iskandar because they've received a message from Queen Tr- Princess Trelena um, to come and get the Cosmo DNA and with the Cosmo DNA they can clean the radiation from the earth so take deep breath so they sneakily burrow underground and come up underneath the wreckage of the battleship Yamato and from underneath retrofit it and create a space battleship and launch it off the earth and seek out the planet Iskandar it's only, surprise, surprise, to find that Iskandar and Gamelon are twin worlds right next to each other. And along the way, they had all these space battles. Oh, and the really awesome gun is the wave motion engine. There's a big hole right in the center of the front of the, sh- of the battleship. And, of course, it's kind of sucks is that you have to point the front of the ship at any big thing you want to shoot. So they use the wave motion engine and creates this awesome, big, massive wave of power. Blows shit up all the time. And they also fight a guy named Deslock along the way, who's leader of the Gamelons. And anytime he comes on the screen, all his all his uh, goons go Deslock, 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 Deslock. And uh, so anyway, they get the Cosmo DNA and uh, make it back to the Earth and clean up all the radiation. And then in the next series, it's the Common Empire. But I think I've bored you enough. I'm I'm sorry, I zoned out for a minute. Can you repeat <laughs> yeah, that? <laughs> I impregnated my wife in the time you told that story. <laughs> you impregnated your wife, had the child, and it's it's now graduating high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> Usually you say I'm absent minded, but I can remember all that, but you know, I can't remember how old my kids are. <laughs> I forgot uh, how old I was. I honestly thought that this, I turned 36 in October. I thought I was turning 37. So I got an extra year. Well, that's yep. cool. Yeah, that's I like that it worked that that's way. That's cool. I just, I just wasted a year of my life listening to Bill's synopsis. <laughs> Canceled that out. No, but I've got the whole, I've got all three series. There was three different series. I've got all three on videotape. <laughs> Nothing like having childhood memories stored on a VHS tape. You still have a VCR? Oh yeah, I save them just in case I have like two <laughs> closets. I'm gonna need this. The someday. oceans dry up, and the, the... <laughs> that's right. This videotape will never degrade. It's perfectly safe. Oh shit, a magnet. Oh. I still have some old home movies on VHS tape that I have to convert. Yeah, I've got one I... of those. Which yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> but. Little you... by little, I started to do a lot of them, but I haven't gotten there yet. I, I, I start to do them, then a squirrel goes by and I get distracted, a la Dr. Bill. <laughs> squirrel. Is, is your dog locked up this time, Bill? My dog? Oh, uh, no, he, he roams freely sometimes. My cat? No, he's another story. He, he comes in. Where is he? Oh. I thought he was in here. Comes in, poops. See, he's, he's a ninja. That's how he rolls. You thought he was well, yeah. there. He's not. <laughs> well, what I'll do, and he's done this numerous times when we record, is I'll leave the door to the garage propped open. He'll push it open, come in, and then it'll close shut sometimes. And then in the middle of recording, the cat goes to get back out the door, and it's closed. And all of a sudden, he'll leap up and sink his claws into the screen. And I'll look over, and the cat's just hanging in midair on the screen. <laughs> Let me out. Come on, open the door. What's wrong with you? I can't get to my food. 
did you? I put a picture up of uh, on Facebook before we were going to see Thor, Ben and I, and uh, we were fighting over a hammer. And then Ben picks up the cat, and I've got the hammer. It looks like I'm about to strike the cat with the hammer. What did uh, What did Ben think of Thor? Oh, he liked it, you know. But he's uh, um, twelve, eleven. He's eleven. It's good to be so on top of this stuff. My kids liked it. And I just reviewed this with, with my wife tonight. Yes, because that's right. Because Katie's going to be 17 this month. Sarah is 14. Ben's two years behind Sarah, but he hasn't had his birthday yet. So he's 11. Yeah, I got it. <clears throat> All right. Can you retain it? No. Okay. <laughs> Do you know when your anniversary is? Uh, September... 24th, a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> that one you don't want to lose. You can lose the kids' birthdays, but if you forget your anniversary, you're screwed. Well, next year. You'll wake up with like a horse's head in your bed. <laughs> well, my wife's already there. Oh, but I'm bumped. Oh. <laughs> no, our, uh, my 20th is next year. Oh, shit. Was that this year? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, because uh, I said 19 years, honey. Yeah, you know what? I'd probably be out on parole by now if it's gone a different way. Now, have you have you sang Mrs. Robinson for your wife? Come on, that would be that's just weird. I just sing songs to other men. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to that, by the way. Oh, <laughs> and, oh, it's it's been posted already. Yeah, just a little while ago. <laughs> I was telling Paul I couldn't talk for about 10 minutes after I was done. I, I just I kept drinking. problems with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you were my co-conspirator. Yeah. In you the... didn't hear the messed up versions. <laughs> well, let's, I, actually, I was going to uh, ask you guys about that after we intro into the show. Oh, okay. So, we didn't know you had a plan. Don't, well, I, I always have a plan. It's not always a good one, but I always have a plan of some sort. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> Paul, Sorry. Paul loves it when a plan comes together. It seems so random. <laughs> well, most most of, I think most of our best moments are the totally unanticipated, just going off the rails stuff. I'll agree with that. So, you know, my, my like plan. Like Bill's cat. Yeah, the like Bill's cat. There was, Bill's cat. <laughs> there, there was no plan of, of discussing Bill's cat at all. And then that ended up being the whole focus of the episode. <laughs> Got a lot of email on that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which we finally answered last uh, last episode, which will be out maybe in a week or two. What? No, not next week. Week after. Well, right? no, we got uh, Thor tomorrow. Avengers next week. Then the back to the bins email the week after that. The Avengers email the week after that, and then this episode the week after that. Oh yeah, so we're way ahead. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's good because we were all s- <laughs> we we suddenly ran out. <laughs> we had nothing. I'm like ah, I got nothing. Oh, his friend. My daughter skypes with her friend who lives in Japan on here, and she's sending messages. <laughs> so I have to answer and say, "Oh, so my the, daughter's sleeping." Is this some young, young Japanese girl sending you messages? Some. She's not Japanese. I don't know what she is. She's she's definitely got some sort of Asian heritage. But she was living here in New York uh, up until last year, and she and my daughter became friends. And then her, she and her family moved to Japan for I think the plan is two years. So every once in a while they go on Skype and they talk. 
Domo Lorigato, Mr. Spotaro, Domo Domo. So, and a lot, a lot of times I'll be in the middle of recording with, with the good doctor and I'll get messages saying, you know, is Melissa around? No, she's not around. I'm Skyping here. <laughs> I got important Skype stuff to do. And I'm talking comic books. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get bogged down with you and your friends. Dana, dana. Skype, Skype, Skype. Dana, dana. <laughs> You know, it's so it's so hard to get you to break into song. <laughs> I got I the wind changes I, direction. <laughs> Ooh, wind changes. I, I don't even think it takes that much. <laughs> I do have. Uh, I think I have one, maybe two musical references in here. Two. Well, you said something about practicing your uh, synopsis, so I'm thinking. Oh no, I, I was just reading over because sometimes I write faster than I think, or I think I've written a word and I haven't, and then oh, I, I go back in time. And I go back and and then when I'm trying to read these for the the show, then I'm like, wow, there should be a word there. Whoops. Or oh, there's supposed to be an S on the end of that word, dummy. I do. I'll I'll, I'll write partial words without realizing it all the time. Hmm. It's like oh yes, my own private dyslexia. It could be worse. You could write the synopsis for the wrong comic. <laughs> Happened earlier tonight. Lee and I were recording Pad Smash, and normally we do two together. And I did the complete wrong issue. That's, so it's like, okay, we'll regroup next week. Let's let's get this one in the can now. That's that's you know, I, I homework podcasting homework kind of sucks. I, yeah, I, I love getting on the air and doing it, but actually doing the homework to get ready to do it is kind of a pain in the ass because sometimes it's hard to make the time for it. Oh, did did you listen to the latest Radio Free Asgard? When he mentioned that he was coming on back to the bins, yeah. But did you also catch what he said? Well, no. That I think that was last one, but this one that came out today, he mentioned. Oh, being I know. Back to the. Yet. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he he talked about each of us. Uh huh. And he mentioned Scott, and then he said, "Uh, Paul Spataro, I think he's running that over there." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll have to we'll have to get a sound clip from that and send it to. Scott. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, Scott's going to love that. I, hey, uh, wait a minute. That's my goddamn show. Well, let's Maybe be you should fair. be on it a little more often. I was going to oh. say, let's be fair. I do kind of, uh, I, I am kind of the back to the bins guy now. I produce the show. Yeah. Yeah. I do the editing. I, I, I schedule the recordings. I invite our special guests on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Scott just comes in as the and rock Scott star. comes in once in a while when he can make the time. I mean... He, he technically that to me the... defines producing. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, Scott? I'm no expert, but <laughs> no, what everything you just listed is pretty much producing. Yeah, Scott is the proprietor. <laughs> I am the pr- producer. Scott would be what yeah. the executive producer. Yeah. Scott is Stanley. He comes in, he does his little cameo, and then he leaves. Oh, you did catch the Stanley cameo? Yes, yes. Uh, I think they're starting to run out of Stanley ideas. David, you did or did not see it? I have not seen it, but the two scenes after the credits have been spoiled for me in the ending. Oh, that sucks. Uh, I I did it my own self, so I can't be mad. I I really, I hate when temptation gets a hold of me and I I read spoilers when I, you know, because I I like being surprised by stuff. Of the the two end scenes, though, I I think it's pretty obvious which is which. One I liked a lot and one I really just kind of thought was a waste of my time. I'm assuming the collector was the one you liked more? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
The only thing funny about the other one was when that creature was jumping around chasing the birds. Yeah, even that didn't do much for me. I don't know. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's every time I get my expectation. If I allow my expectations to get too high, I end up getting disappointed most of the time. So this will bring them back down again for uh, for the Winter Soldier. Well, with, with Phase 2 Marvel, I was talking about this earlier today. Phase 2 Marvel, our expectations have been set where with Phase 1, every new movie was, an, you know, what's going to happen. And we happen to get high caliber entertainment pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. So with the, with the sequels, yeah, it, it's probably not going to be what we expect because the first one was such a surprise in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. So the second one, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a little bit dimmer in comparison because it's a different experience. And that's that's why I have to knock my expectations down again. I have to I have to yeah. Because if if I can just go in there and expect okay, I'm just going to see a movie that I'm going to be entertained by. I think I'm okay. But if I go in there expecting it to be you know an all time great movie that I'm going to love and I'm going to watch over and over and over again, that's when I end up walking away saying, eh, it was you know wasn't quite what I was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just got to reset our ourselves. You know, which we kind of had a discussion like that on uh, Trentus Magnus punches reality, where we were talking about the movies. Oh, and and just uh, and I I really do despise spoilers, but that I unintentionally spoiled for my son. <laughs> they had the uh, coming attraction for the Winter Soldier. Oh, so oh, so, so, so we're, we're oh, watching we're watching the trailer. Funny, right? Well, that's I that's effectively what I did. He said, he said, who's that guy? I said, that's that's the guy who was Bucky, his best friend in the first movie. He said, I just wanted to know what his character's name was. I didn't want to tell him the story. <laughs> I said, well, it's all over the comics. You just have to read them. He was like, I didn't read them. <laughs> so I spoiled it for him. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to protect my wife because she's like, who is that guy? That actor looks familiar. I'm like, don't don't look into it. Don't look into it. She's like, wasn't that Bucky? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, didn't really, you tried to protect him, but you, yeah. know, you, you gave up pretty quick. <laughs> you must be really easy at Christmas. What's in this box? It's a, it, it's a diamond ring, all right? <laughs> Stop grilling me. <laughs> Superman would have cracked, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see that? One of my favorites. Which one? Uh, oh, it's a, always sunny. No, it's a Pope of Greenwich Village. No, I don't know this one. Uh, you know, it's Eric Roberts and Mickey Rourke and uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't listen. Well, I can't think of his name. The the brother-in-law from Rocky, uh, Bert. Bert Ward or not? Bert no, Ward. no, definitely not Bert Ward. <laughs> I was gonna say Bert Convy. <laughs> no, not Bert Convy either. <laughs> Even better. Uh, uh, the brother-in-law from Rocky. He plays yeah. Bed Bug Eddie, the uh, the gangster. And what happens is they. Uh, Three of them basically rip him off. And, you know, Eric Roberts is a not-too-bright guy. So Bed Bugetti starts grilling him. So he looks at him because he's, he's trying to keep Mickey Rourke out of it. So he's saying, oh, just two of us did it. So, so he looks at him. He just puts up two fingers. He said, two? And then he puts up three fingers. And he says, or three? And basically he, he spills everything at that point. So then later when he's talking to Mickey Rourke, he's like, Superman would have cracked Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Bert Young. Bert Young. Thank you. Oh, no. Did you did you pull that out or did you IMDB it? No, I IMDB it. Right. Use your using my resources. Oh, you got you got to use what's there for you. You and Paul always cheating with the with the IMDB with, with the, the internet. Yeah. I was cheating. 
It's a resource. We used to have a rule: don't open your browser. No browsing. No browsing. That's, that's a Scott rule. I'm I'm the producer here. <laughs> oh, I call the shots. Browse all you want. I make the podcast that make the whole world sing. But, uh, yeah. So we'd, maybe we should uh, go into this because we're about uh, we're coming up on midnight. Oh yes. I don't know what this sleep thing is. Well, I gotta at eight thirty. I have to take my daughter for volleyball tryouts for the middle school. So that's that's my window of sleep between now and then. I have mm. no kids, so I win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned to pull out. Well, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> well, but you're you. What'd you say? You just turned thirty six. Yeah. So you're, we not have, too we have old, no you're not too old to start. But we're not that interested in having them. Nah. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Uh, I wouldn't at that age. No, no, no offense. Well, I guess I would. No, it's okay. I'm just thinking I was 38 when my daughter was born because she's 13 now and I'm 51. So, uh, but, you know, I do have an older one. And I oh, actually, that's, There's the caveat. I, well, yeah, when, when, it's, when it's your last child and you're coming up on 40, it's not as bad as when it's your first child and you're coming up on 40. Yeah. As far as just the perception. I mean, it, there's nothing bad in either event, but you know what I'm saying. No, I'd, yeah. I'd be afraid to have kids at this age because I'm already sounding like my dad. Uh, this, I mean, there's pluses and minuses to everything. You know, when the, the plus is that, you know, at, at, you reach an age where you're a little bit more mature as far as appreciating, like, the moments you have with them and everything. Whereas I think if you're a young kid, you don't, you don't realize how fast life <laughs> slips by and you don't treasure it. The same way, not true. But on the other hand, you know, there, there's something about being like you know the oldest dad at the uh, little league games and stuff that you know kind of grates on you too. Well, we well, you know, we have we were fortunate that our our siblings provided us with twelve nieces and nephews, so oh, we are go. stocked. You have somebody. You have somebody to write into your will when the time comes. Yeah, you're good. They're, they're not get. They're not getting jagger squat. <laughs> I realized that I had become a dad, or I'd become an old dad. When I turned into Red from that 70s show with my son. And he, <laughs> he did something one day and I just looked at him and went, dumbass. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, I'm Red. I realized I became an old dad when I spoiled the Winter Soldier for my son. <laughs> you know how I really realized that I was getting old? Was one day when I was driving to work, I wasn't concerned about the music anymore. I was trying to figure out what the traffic report was. When you start putting on the news instead of the news or the weather. Yeah. Which How one of these weather? is NPR? <laughs> <laughs> I got to find out where the traffic's at. Ah, I don't care about music. This morning I got, I got my first chance. And I only could do it for about 10 minutes, but I got my first chance to uh, listen to a little of Scott, Scott Reifen on the air with his radio show. Really? Because yeah, he, was sim- he was simulcasting it on whatever like he posted on facebook that he's on the air and you could watch the video of it oh okay which the video the video is not all that exciting it's a guy standing by a microphone talking but just being able to listen to the show was kind of cool i thought you were driving or something i'm like how what (laughs) (laughs) what no it was oh before i left for work this morning before i forget because i've been meaning to ask you this since we were uh of course i can't remember where we were well, there's only one place I met you, person, so that would so be Disney. It would have been Disney yeah. then. Yeah. Well, after you posted like the video that you put up from your phone, was that a phone or is that a camera? Because that video was magnificent. It's a camera. 
Ah, it's a camera. Because, man, the pictures you took and the video from that was astounding. So you talking about the, the video of us on the uh, Goofy ride? Yeah, yeah. And I meant to ask you if that was a phone or if that was a camera. So that's a camera. All right. Camera. What kind of camera was that? Uh, Canon. Canon? Canon. Okay. You got a model <laughs> number? Making notes? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, I don't know the model number of hand, but I could find out. All right. If you think about it, of course, it took me, what? three four months to remember to ask you the question so no rush the only downside to it is it does not take great photos in low light like well when, i'm not chasing bigfoot so well when you <laughs> like when i when 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 we were on vacation and i was taking pictures in the sunlight they're all great mm-hmm. but then like when the sun starts to go down and you you know you're taking pictures in you know dusk then you know they it tries to take in more uh more light, more light, so it stays it open longer, and you end up with a blurry picture. Oh, I got you. Okay, yeah, it just they look good. So, hmm. Hmm. Well, that's you know sometimes it's the skill of the photographer. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we should we should actually record a show though. Well, what do you think we've been doing? This is yeah, the preamble. I, was, I, was no, I, I think yeah. the, I think the preamble ended when you gave your uh, synopsis of that Japanese horror show. Our star. I I know the song too, but I guess I won't sing it. Oh, never mind. I'll I'll be quiet. <laughs> Feel free if you want to belt out a tune. Go ahead. No, I'm trying to think. Well, because see, there's there's two different there's there's different versions based on which uh, series it was on. They changed some of the lyrics, and I was I was crossing my uh, my series, so I don't have things straight in my head. So, well, boy, that's a loaded statement. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pass, Jim. No. <laughs> I could name that tune in two notes. Dun 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 dun. Those endearing dun. young charms. Boom. Oh. <laughs> oh, and it's and, and it's asking. the only reason I know it is from the exact same thing that you would do. <laughs> I figured you would know that. <laughs> oh, you honor rabbit! You hit the wrong key. Here's uh, how you play it. <laughs> Give me that thing. I hate you. <laughs> when he strikes this note, instead of a xylophone, he'll be playing a harp. <laughs> now, with your kind indulgence, I'll play those endearing young charms. That's wrong, you dumb bunny! Try it again! Uh, many too many hours watching Bugs Bunny as a kid. <laughs> All right, I'm going to... Uh, let me bring us in so we can actually get to this thing. <clears throat> la, la, la. All right. Come on, hey. Weeder. I don't hear a, wa- a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we got to get our, ge- our guest all la. Wah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> little furball in there. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am Paul Spataro, and I am joined, as usual, by my sidekick, Dr. Bill Robinson. That's Mr. Sidekick. That's Dr. Sidekick to you. Mr. Dr. Sidekick. Mr. Dr. Sidekick, Bill Robinson. 
And we are joined today by special guest star, J. David Weeder. Thank you. I feel like I should be doing like a short round line. You know, you call him Dr. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> no time for love, Dr. Robinson. Or no no time for, what was it, Star Brigade or, or whatever you regaled us with for an epic amount of time. Star Blazers. J. David, star get Blazers. us stuff. <laughs> it's also known as the Space Battleship Yamato. So these these are the two masterminds behind the, I believe number one hit by now, My Spataro. It only, it only peaked at number eleven. Uh, that's kind of sad. So Casey Kasem never got to it. <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear the long distance dedication for that one. <laughs> Dear Casey. <laughs> well, I guess maybe it would be uh, Clyde sending in the message. But thanks a lot for that, guys. I really appreciated it. It was it was cracking me up as I listened to it. Although I did have some of my friends who were not in the same hobby as us saying, "What was that thing on your Facebook page?" <laughs> It does become a little difficult to explain, but, you know, you, I start to explain it, and before I'm done, they just kind of roll their eyes and go into a fog, and all is good. I kind of want to hear that explanation. <laughs> Somebody who has no idea who Darkseid is, or, or what a parademon is. Or, or what a podcast is. Or what a podcast is, is. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what a parademon is. Believe me, we never got that far. <laughs> By the time we get to a parademon, all you see is a person with with, with glazed eyes and drool. <laughs> Number one question asked of a podcaster, what's a podcast? Yes, absolutely. Is that, is that like a radio show? Yes. Well, that's, that's the easiest explanation. It's just an internet radio show. Oh. But, uh, how, how long did the uh, actual recording take for that? Uh, well, <laughs> longer than it should have because I kind of, there, there was some problem in the studios and, and it kind of got screwed up the first time around. So the second take was a little bit quicker. Once I figured that out, that second take ran us about a week just to go through, edit, so on and so forth. Well, mm. I appreciate all the effort that you guys put into it because. Wow, I did next to nothing. I just wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, as you're well aware, I am a big fan of Darkseid and Clyde. So He's a big fan of you. Well, it's the fact that, he, that, they, that Clyde was trying to call me and his first uh, mention of me, uh, you know. Just just uh, brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> and actually, when you played that on this show, I was driving and, and it started out. I just had I guess I just blocked it out. And I was I'm like, wait, I, this is familiar. <laughs> like, I know that, that guy. <laughs> and for what it's worth, I did. Uh, I did ask your permission before I put it on there. I wasn't going to just post it. Although in the episode, I say I was going to post it whether you liked it or not. But before I post before I did put it in there, I did. I and I, I remembered it later. I just I, I'd slept since then. <laughs> well, you, now I'm just trying to get this down. You were saying you you work like uh, is it like three in the afternoon to? to I, I yeah, I, I work three thirty in in the afternoon till midnight. All right, so that's all these people with these strange work schedules. And uh, my experience when you're working an off schedule is your body never totally gets used to it. Cause... Second shift, I could get used to anything beyond that. It's it's done for. Well, my... I used to work overnights when I was about 10 years younger, and it, it never got caught up. Well, my experience is that what happens is your body, if you did that seven days a week, you'd be fine. But the problem is on the weekends, people think that you should be up during the day. And that's what throws you off. Sure. I normally will go ahead and now that I, I have that schedule, I will go ahead and get up early-ish in the morning. Well, early being 10, but I will have a day before I go to work. 
So it does it doesn't you, throw me off on the weekend. Which means basically you got to finish work and get to bed pretty, you know, relatively fa- fairly quickly. You don't get the time, you know, you don't get that. Okay, I go home, I have dinner, I relax, I watch some TV, and all of that. No, I usually I about an hour at home. I, I read comics. I try not to get on the computer or do any podcast stuff because that just starts a whole mad thing, and I look up and it's four in the morning. Uh, I just I've been reading my retro pool list at night and just going through my comics that way. Cool. And kind of bringing myself into sleepy mode. And uh, considering the number of podcasts you've done over the years, I would think that most listeners would know who you are. But perhaps there's somebody who doesn't. So why don't you tell everybody what shows that you do and have done? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't know who I am. Um, I started out on Superman Forever Radio, which was a uh, surprise, surprise, a Superman podcast. Right around the time of the big Superman podcast boom. The Superman podcast boom of 08. Well, it was it was, it was pretty close. There was because when, when I came into it, there was from crisis to crisis and Superman fan podcast of Radio KL. And suddenly we had Superman, the Bronze Age, two Golden Age shows out of nowhere, all uh, roughly the same within several months. So I started out there and that was kind of on again, off again. I moved on to. Briefly, I had the Mighty Shield, which is a Captain America podcast, and Xavier's podcast for Gifty Dunksters. Those were short-lived just for scheduling purposes. Both of those I, I kind of enjoyed, and I was kind of disappointed to see both of them go away. Yeah, just it was just when you podcast with multiple people, sometimes schedules don't line up. Right. It's, it's that simple. So that became a victim of that. You hear that, Scott Gardner? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was told Scott was going to be here, I guess. I guess He was he until has... I told him you were coming on. Oh, okay. So that's still going on. <laughs> we avoid each other in the halls of the Monzo Corps and uh but currently I'm on uh, Pad Smash, which is an Incredible Hulk podcast, which covers the Peter David run on the Incredible Hulk, which spanned about twelve years. I do that show with Lee Busby. And Peter David himself has graced us with his presence, as well as Scott Gardner. And uh I also have just started Dave's Daredevil Podcast, which is a podcast about Daredevil, which was kind of birthed by this show. There really? were Yeah, there was an episode uh, five episodes back or so, where Scott pulled a Daredevil book, and with, uh, the one with Gladiator, and yeah, yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. Scott, you know, all of you had kind of talked about not being very familiar with Daredevil, and I had had Daredevil on the mind because I was planning out some fanfic. I hate to admit that, but it it is what it is, and I'm like, I should probably just do a show where I talk about Daredevil, and lo and behold, Gabe's Daredevil podcast. Well, you know about the Netflix announcement, right? Yes, just came down this week. Um, since I, I'm actually stocked far ahead, I won't get to cover it very much on the show, but I, I am very psyched about that. If, if they are looking for anybody to plan out uh, multiple season arcs, I am available. <laughs> You're available for, as, a, as a showrunner? I, I'll just go consultant. Did you hear about it, Paul? Yes, I did. It's, uh, yeah, they're going to have Pretty four. cool. It's, it's basically the TV version of their movie universe. Right, yeah, and, and, it, and it, it works. It, the, the characters they chose are perfect for that. Well, you know what they're going to lead into, right? You, did you read into that that they're going to do Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones yeah. and Iron Fist, and they're going to lead into the Defenders. Yes, should, should it, be pretty cool. How, how can it be the Defenders without? I know without Doctor Strange. Strange and Silver Surfer and Hulk and Namor. Yeah. See, I was thinking it should have what's his name, uh, Mike Brady. See, now I got to put the cricket sound effect in, but that's the old TV show, The Defenders. Oh, oh, about the lawyers. <laughs> yes. 
Or well, actually, the recent used. remake was uh, Jim Belushi. Well, nothing says quality like Jim Belushi. <laughs> get the less talented brother of a good comedian on there, and you're good. Can we get Kevin Farley while we're there? <laughs> Brian DeMurray. What, what was it, Dave? What was it that I had seen th- that I, I saw but never followed up on? I apologize that I didn't because I was curious when I had... At some point, I think I had looked you up on uh, on iTunes or something. There was a book. Uh, Smite, yeah. That was a book I released in 2010. And what's what, what was the deal with that? Tell me about that. Um, it was about a guy that got this package that was full of letters people had written to God. And as he tried to get rid of it, wackiness ensued. And, hmm. you know, it, it tore up the charts. Never. Um, but no, it bought me bought me a TV, the TV that's my 32 inch TV. That's my monitor now, so I, I'm good with that. It paid the light bill once, so it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got read and enjoyed by a few people. All right, that's cool. And then I got messed up on the next book, but that's that's a whole other that's a whole other story. We uh, lots of tears shed on that one. We we do we do try to get published authors on whenever possible. Somehow oh, yeah. it, somehow it makes us look more important. Is this like our third published option? We've had uh, Jose Rivera and uh, Tom DJ. Which I just got Tom's book in the mail. Uh, Now now you have to read it. Well, yeah. (laughs) But I got to read The Walking Dead first to follow the governor part one. And then I'll read that. Or, well, I don't know. I'll probably flip-flop. Have you had Robert J. Kelly on? Mm, No. Fire and Water podcast. No. He's a he's a published <laughs> author. <laughs> All right, well then we might have to invite him. Yep he he does the uh, he does what fired water with shag. And does writing he, hmm? does writing multiple synopses count? <laughs> <laughs> if if that's true, if writing multiple synopses is cool, call me Miles Davis. <laughs> All right, I think we'll throw a promo in now. <laughs> Take a break for a minute. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night. Searching for justice. Blind justice. A guardian devil. <coughs> no, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil. Blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster. But you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil. You get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? And we're back. Uh, we jumping in the books, or does anybody have anything else before we go to them? Well, I was on YouPorn earlier, but I don't think this is the forum for that. <laughs> That's uh, dear I... YouPorn. I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> there I was <laughs> with two other men on a never mind <laughs> podcast. Wait. I think we got two different letters going on here. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that brought us to a screeching halt. <laughs> Nothing like an on a, a, a uh, unfiltered Doctor Bill Robinson. 
From now on, anytime a podcast is brought to a screeching halt, I'm just going to call it the Dr. Bill. <laughs> it's a Dr. Bill moment. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bill moment. Right, so, Dr. Have to, Bill, for your moment. You have, you have to do the, you, you have to do the clear. <laughs> Start the podcast back up. <laughs> Did did you bring a book today, Doctor Bill, or are you just uh, writing on our coattails again? No, I brought the book I was supposed to bring for <laughs> the Thor special oh, when I good. didn't have time to do. But now you I had didn't time. Have time? I didn't have time. What is this thing you call a life? I don't <laughs> know what this. Ah, uh, yes, I especially did not have time that week. That was thing. I think that I don't remember if that was the week of the broken back car back window or what so. oh yeah that sucked <laughs> yeah mm. Mm. yes i know no i don't think that was the week i think this was the week you were lazy no <laughs> no i know anyway. anyway anyway yes well oh, well i mean do we want to let the guests go first or no, we go just right ahead well marvel dc indy mindy Min- mdi mork and mindy Mork, Mork de Mindy, Mork de Ma, well, Mork, Mork. Nanu, Nanu, and then they had a kid named Mirth. That's Random John, fact. That's what Jonathan Winter's name was? Yes. Yeah, Mirth. Yeah, I remember they they grow, they're born full-sized and shrink into kids. Yes. <laughs> Back to the bins, a Mork and Mindy podcast. Mork, is that you? <laughs> Exodor! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, I have a book. <laughs> I Why have... don't you tell us about it, Phil? <laughs> I have, this evening, today, tonight, tomorrow, The Mighty Thor, number 366. Cover date, original cover date was April 1986. Sale date was January 14th, 1986. Price 75 cents, and this information is per- brought to you by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Yeah, our cover artist is Walt Simonson, and on the cover we have a stunned Loki in the background, Gox, at an uh, Amgardian, Asphibian, an Asgardian frog. <laughs> Let's never use the term Asphibian again. <laughs> we have a frog in Thor's outfit. <laughs> and the cover asks the question, what do you call a six-foot-six fighting mad frog? Well, the answer is inside, and we'll find that in a moment. And also, uh, we note that in the corner logo, we have uh, a Thorog, or a Thor frog, with his hammer above his head. Thor! Huh! To the god, y'all! He is a frog now! Absolutely! What? Say it again! That was our musical interlude. One, One of many. Of, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> um... Inside credits are Walter Simonson as our writer and artist. We have John E. Workman Jr. as the letter colorist. Now the colorist, uh, Mike's World says Christy Shiel, Rochelle, Shelley, Shelley, whatever. And the book says Max Shiel. So either Christy had a radical surgery um, or somebody's confused. Or maybe somebody is still confused. Anyway, editor Ralph Macho Camacho and editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. And this can also be found in Thor Legends, uh, Walter Simonson, Volume 3, Trade Paperback. Our story title is Sir, which is also the answer to the question posed on the cover. Thor is using Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder 
to transport himself to Asgard from Midgard. The Bifrost, bleh, the Bifrost Bridge was destroyed, but Thor is desperate to return to revenge himself upon Loki, who is using devices to siphon energies off of Surtur's sword, uh, the Twilight Sword, which he was able to use to transform the Mighty Thunderer into the Mighty Croaker. Meanwhile, in Asgard, Loki conspires with a person hidden in shadow. With Odin gone, the new ruler of Asgard will be chosen at the next Althing. Heimdall had Thor impersonated at the last gathering, and Loki discovered the ruse and makes plans to secure his place as ruler. Elsewhere, Heimdall and the Warriors Three commiserate over the recent deception at the Althing with the counterfeit Thor. They agree finally that Harokin, who is Thor's twin, except for their hair color, will portray, portray Thor once more at the next Althing to see how things play out. Falstag, however, departs on his own with his sick daughter, Hildi, who, along with her friends that had found the Twilight Sword previously, are now all gravely ill. Falstag straps her to his chest and sets out in search of the sword and Loki's machine. In the Golden City of Asgard, the all-thing has begun, and Loki pleads his case eloquently to the crowd and emphasizes it by taking the false Mjolnir from Harakin, the false Thor, from his hand. The gathered Asgardians are stunned by this and believe him to be worthy. Loki twirls the hammer and flings it away, awaiting its returns since he placed a spell upon it last issue and is now under his control. The hammer's return appears to be delayed until a whistling sound is heard, but is not the false hammer. It is Thorog that speeds in and snatches Loki away before the stunned crowd. The crowd mobilizes to track Loki and the demon down, not before Heimdall is able to slip out ahead of them all and have Harokin make like a tree and leave. Within the realm of hell, hell... I need somebody. Hell, not just anybody. Hell. Is that the monkeys? <laughs> yeah. It ain't the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> the goddess of death has an unwelcome guest, courtesy of Thor and the Beyonder. And this took place in issue uh, C issue 363. Curse is tearing apart her kingdom in search of the dark elf Malach. Malach. <laughs> Her warriors wait to drive him out. Maybe the Predator was there. I don't know. <laughs> or Roy Orbison. <laughs> Anything she wants, she's got it. Her warriors fight to drive him out as she suspects that Thor is to blame for this situation. And where is Thor? He is at this moment confronting Loki. Loki who taunts Thor in his new guise as the Frog of Thunder. Thor enraged by the boast. He was enraged and snapped the little L's next. Oh, sorry. There was a, what was that? That was from Saturday Night Live, wasn't it? Santa was enraged and ripped the little L's lungs out. That's right. I think that was the uh, the Gumby Christmas. Anybody? Anybody? I don't remember Gumby. That one. Damn it! Yeah. I remember. I remember Gumby, but I don't remember the Christmas one. <laughs> uh, okay. Thor enraged by boasts. But by the boast, presses Loki to break the enchantment. Loki instead tries to regress Thor's mind and eventually succeeds. But this is not a triumph, as now the enraged Thunderfrog, the Thunderfrog's anger is all-encompassing and directed at Loki. Just that moment at the edge of the wilderness, Volstag and Hildi discover the resting place of the Sword of Surtur and Loki's engine attached to it. 
Volstag ponders how to stop the machine, for its size dwarfs even his own. He begins to feel ill as as feel ill as Hildy is, and in his weakness knocks over a small boulder, which, as the fates would have it, begins an epic landslide that rains down upon the sword and machine below. Volstag and Hildy recover from their illness now, now that the machine is destroyed and the sword is buried. And at the same moment elsewhere, Thor's natural form is restored to him by the breaking of the spell. Loki weasels his way out of Thor's anger as Heimdall arrives and tells how Volstag destroyed the sword and that nothing of it remains. Well, yeah, he could tell that, but he couldn't tell where it was before. Oh, magic hit it. Ooh, whatever. <laughs> Loki, Loki now is off the hook since there would be no proof of his machinations. His thoughts are of one last attempt to yet be victorious over his brother as the rest of the Asgardians arrive. Loki springs to the group saying, never again will you trust only to have Thor toss his uh, hammer to him saying, surely your words would have more weight if you held this. A surprised Loki grabs the hammer and is quickly dropped to the ground. Alas, Thor tells the crowd that the strange demon that kidnapped Loki has contaminated him and he's no longer worthy. Aw, Loki pity party. <laughs> Thor turns and thanks them for postponing the all thing, allowing him to recover from his wounds inflicted by Hela. He removes his bandage, his bandage face, revealing the scars from that battle. Yeah. The assembled are astounded by his bravery and clamor for him to take to take the throne. Thor, however, wishes to remain the guardian of Midgard and be at the foot of the Golden Throne. He offers Balder the Brave as a logical choice of ruler. The group agrees, and they begin to return to Asgard. Loki, having recovered from the little... Uh, what was he recovering from, Paul? Huh? Loki, having recovered from a little... You have to give me a give me a hint. Yeah, I don't know what's hammer doing. time. Oh, stop! <laughs> hammer time. <laughs> can't touch this. <laughs> can touch this. <laughs> can't lift this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not as good on those those cues as you are. <laughs> Tell Thor that Balder is in is in the Norm realm. Is is in Norm realm, the kingdom of Carnilla. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm just going to interrupt you. Uh, you know, when I asked you, I said, "So what time is it, Bill?" Oh, I'm sorry. If you had yeah. done that, I think I would have gotten it. <laughs> Let's just uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead with your little synopsis now. <laughs> Loki tells Thor that Balder is in the Norm realm of uh, the Norm realm, the kingdom of Carnilla, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, and eh, never mind. And did not heed the return call for the All Thing. Hogan the Grim volunteers to find and return with Balder, while Loki yet again is hatching another plot to seize the throne with an idea that Heimdall has has given him. Next issue, the king is dead. Long live the king. Or is that the other way around? Ta-da! <laughs> it's only a model. <laughs> it's a, it's silly. a silly place. So, what do you guys think? Are you, are you uh, Simonson fans? I'm actually reading the run now on my Retropolis, but I'm way back. He's still with uh, Beta Ray Bill. They're getting ready to go do their thing with the demons and whatnot. The law, even, if you will. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, I, well, okay, so Beta Ray Bill has got the hammer. Have they already... So they've already fought each other, and... Oh, yeah, so they're up... What are you about at, like, issue 350, maybe? Or close to that? I, can tell I you think... 350 through 353, I think, is the climax 340. of the... 340. 340. Oh, okay, so you're still... Because I'm going month by month, so... Have they uh, made a new hammer for him and all that? Or they, is they, he... Yeah, they've made his uh, Stormbreaker. Gotcha. Yeah. But I well, know a fourth Thor frog. His his legends his exploits are legendary. Yes, I I uh, yeah. I mean I know the Simonson run. I've read some of it. I've never read it from end to end. Uh, I like it, but I'm not quite as enamored with it as some people who you know. It's the end all be all for them. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's very good, in fact. But it uh, you know. Well, at the time, it kind of just revitalized the title because, I mean, I'm not saying the title wasn't good. We've covered older Thor books before. In fact, we did it in the special that'll be coming out tomorrow, which, but that would be tomorrow, which will be four weeks past. ago. <laughs> <laughs> ah, time travel sucks. But, um, you know, it, it, it ebbs and flows. And this was one of, one of the, one of the, the high points because I, I believe Simonson kind of really dug a little bit deeper and did a little homework he yeah. did and, and he also brought like a, a sense of humor to the book mm-hmm. which was needed yeah I, I would I would agree with that and he also he also brought he, he brought a sense of humor but he also brought a sense of grandeur you know the the whole Asgardian mythology and everything uh, that he played with and and his artwork fit that the, the style really fits it whereas when he's done other books, I don't think it's as well suited to them. Like when he was uh, drawing the Fantastic Four, I didn't think that was a really good combo. Yeah, I don't know. His, it just some of his designs really fit better. Like if you look at Curse, is a pretty cool looking character. Which actually, that uh, two out of three of us have just seen the movie. What is this? Page twelve of uh, what what we're looking at. And that's kind of close to, I mean, and there's subtle differences, but that's kind of close to the armor that was in the movie. And I know at at the credits, while we were waiting for the scenes, um, they did thank Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. I saw Walt Simonson in there, Oliver Copiel, and I think one of the, it was either Sal or, I think it was Sal Bushima. I think John was a more prolific Thor artist than Sal. I'm not quite sure which one it was because I was kind of, you know, it was. Sal was more Hulk. Hulk and mm. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, Hulk with the with the with the wide stretch mouth with the eyes. Argh! Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's always what Oliver I. Oliver is. Was yeah, he was the re- he's he's a more recent artist. Well, he was he was in the JMS run. Mm-hmm. I have a ten foot long. Thor poster actually still sitting on my floor. It hasn't been hung up yet. That's Oliver Copiel doing pretty much any major Thor character you can think of. Oh, it's that's gonna have to all, go in my garage. And they're all on the poster? It's ten foot. Wow. Yeah, it's ten foot long. It was made up of covers. I don't remember the book off the top of my head, which is fantastic, but ten feet from end to end, and then about uh, two and a half, three feet tall. So ten feet wide. Wow. Just this man. huge panorama. Cool. He's he's it, it's a really gorgeous poster. I knew Scott would be proud of me. <laughs> Were he here? <laughs> but he's not. Well, not, not for this this stalemate. 
Yeah, I, th- I think, you know. Have you ever noticed Scott and I are, are never in the same room together? Amazing. I think we're going to have you to know, do something to end this feud. <laughs> you know, Scott's never in the same room as a- a- any of our guests. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's disguising his voice and coming on as other people. It's amazing how he pulled that him and Tom Harris thing off at the same time. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? No, not even close. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering exactly where you were going. <laughs> brains. Yeah, that, that's now that's Scott. No brains. Oh, ooh, bada bing. He doesn't listen anyway. He says he listens, so now we'll find out. Uh, Scott is listening. Can you answer the question? <laughs> what do you call? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot the phrasing because they moved the cover, damn it. <laughs> what do you call a six foot six fighting mad frog? Scott Gardner. That's the answer on Facebook. <laughs> just just back to the book again. I really like <laughs> the uh, Simonson art in this issue and how it fits this particular story. Uh I'm just looking at some of like the shots of Loki, and it it almost seems to have like a, a little bit of a John Byrne feel to it to me. Kind of that Ooh, that yeah. very, you know very simple line work, but really getting across you know the the expressions and the emotions. I don't know mm-hmm. if 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 I'm the only one seeing that, or if you guys agree with that. No, no, no. I'm I'm just. I think you've like, got. No, I totally see that. I see what, exactly what you're saying. And the weird thing is you have Simonson of this era, and then he, he was actually working on Indestructible Hulk for a, a, a brief storyline. And his line work, we're, we're here, yeah, it's a simple, but it feels tight. His line work got sloppy. There's a Simonson of today, just doesn't have something. There's something intangible that I can't put my finger on that's not as clean and concise as this is. I would like to see Simonson on a horror book. Um, I could think. see that, like a revival of Tomb of Dracula. That would be really good. Yeah, something along those lines. Because he he has, it's not a dark style, but it's just kind of a moody style, and I think it would fit. Well, on Facebook, there's a uh, group I'm in. It's the Simonson Walt Simonson Appreciation Society, and it shows some of his other work. There was a few things he did. I'm trying to think if I saw any. Uh, horror work in there i guess i could probably look at the comic vine and see if he's done any or something and he had done work on on the fourth world stuff in dc that i thought kind of fit also oh yes i did like that yeah that that was good and i think didn't he follow or burn wasn't burn doing the fourth world and then simonson took over or simonson did the orion series and i don't know i think simonson did orion i think he got it yeah, but I could have swore Byrne was doing something with the fourth world at one point. But see, I mean, but that goes exactly to what we're saying. Like, I see him on the Asgardian mythology fitting very well. I see him on horror stuff working well. I see him on cosmic stuff working well. I don't see him working on street level stuff and having it be good, though. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think so either. No, like I think a- something like Daredevil or Luke Cage now. Yeah, exactly, and and I didn't care for him on Fantastic Four, which is, you know, sometimes that goes into the cosmic, but I just didn't care for it. And like you said, the recent work on Indestructible, Indestructible Hulk, I, I wasn't crazy about, and uh, I really wasn't that wild when he did the Avengers either. 
Oh, he did some Elric. That's what I was thinking. He was like sword. That sorcery. I would think would be great. Yeah, he he did that. He did the Michael Moorcock mm-hmm. mu- mu- uh, multiverse. Um, I'm looking at some of the stuff he did. Metal Man, Legion of Superheroes. I could see Legion, oddly enough. Yeah, well, again, kind of the cosmic feel. I, I think you know he could definitely handle. I mean, he, his his anatomy sometimes is a little. I think I don't even think it's that he's that he's bad with it. I think he takes artistic license with it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that though, if it's done right. McFarland did it, and it could end up being wonderful or a, a complete mess. Simonson does it, and for example, Volstag looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that's there's no anatomy on that that has any logic. He's got these tiny legs, and then the rest of him. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, the rest of them is huge. But it with, looks with a little pinhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like the Death did... Star with, with little legs. <laughs> Death Star with feet. <laughs> and a ravenous appetite to match. And, and quite large gloves. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, other publishers, he did Creepy. Um, so there's your horror. He did. Uh, he did Kickers Inc. Cover with Mike Magnolia. Interesting. John Carter, Warlord of the Mars. Yeah, he did a little uh, Haunt of Horror. And some Conan. Well, that was just a cover. Well, he was doing covers quite a bit. He did uh, some of the covers for the Countdown storyline, Incredible Hulk, that we were covering. And first thing was, isn't Simon oh, yeah, normally right. better? Yeah. And the covers were horrible. Yeah, I mean, they were, just a, those were kind of, I don't know if they were rushed or, or what. It just seemed, yeah, it was sketchy. But his, his, see, I don't see his style being suited to doing covers because he's not really a poster type artist. He's more of a, a storytelling artist and you're not going to tell a story in the cover. You know, even, even if you, even if you do what we always talk about liking where the cover kind of shows some of what's going to go on in the issue as opposed to just being a pinup. It's still going to be a you know usually a one one frame you know image, and I don't think that plays to his strengths. No, I could see that because mm. his layouts are really dynamic. Just looking on page fourteen, top of the page, you've got the one shot of the the full face of the Thor frog, and then the other one is Loki on his back looking. Yeah, it's a pretty cool up. perspective. Yeah, look how big my feet are. You know? But then to take <laughs> take that and go right to the next shot where Loki's Got that laying on his back and, and shooting uh, and, and, you know, almost a Steve Ditko-esque uh, ray coming out of him there. But it plays well going from that one shot to the other. Yeah, it just flows you face, back, magic bolt, and then wham, frog hammer, splat them. <laughs> Oh yeah, there was one sound effect here. I was I wanted to ask you how it's pronounced. Crom. Crom. <laughs> I mean, he he definitely had fun with uh, croak with the croak. <laughs> but even even on page seventeen, you got carb lamb wap oom, backthroom. <laughs> Splatham. wasn't that the guy from the uh, Italian the, job? And he was in the Expendables. Jason Splatham. Uh, yeah, the, the the one I was going to ask you about was on page twenty one. How do you pronounce K C U N K? Well, that 
Well, the one on 17, the back of Cthroom is like bathroom with just a car thrown in there. Yes. <laughs> I got to go to the back of the room. <laughs> now. Oh. Come on. 21, where he tosses in the hammer and he goes, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Kakunk. Kakunk. You know, did you guys see this week where they were trying to debunk Thor using his hammer to fly? No. Where, where was that? This was some, I mean, some comic analysis. And of course, we had Neil deGrasse Tyson trying to explain how heavy his hammer is. But somebody was saying, well, this wouldn't work. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, let me rephrase that. No shock right there. <laughs> You're trying to well, use science to explain Thor, which is Norse mythology. Thor, in the mythology, used to bear children that were eight-legged steeds. <laughs> and he would eat them and they would be reborn. And you're trying to use science? Science! Good heavens, Nakamoto. You've got eight <laughs> legs. Well, I mean, why? I mean, where they. I don't really think it's the twirling of the hammer that he flies with. I think it's just. That's just for show because actually the hammer zips around on its own. Uh, it changes lots of time. direction. It changes direction. It's not like it's not him twirling it that allows him to fly. I think he just holds on to it and it takes him where he wants it to go. You know, I do I like the way they do now that. You're in the trying movie, to though. explain it by science. I just I look at. I'm it not explaining. <laughs> it, it's it's magic. That's what I'm saying. It's magic. That's right. He doesn't twirl it and fling it and hold on. I think he just does that for flair. Fabulous. <laughs> but I, I liked it when when he does that in the movie, like uh, in the Avengers, when when Iron Man was falling from the sky, and they realized that he wasn't gonna basically save himself, and all of a sudden Thor just starts, you know, twirling the hammer like he's gonna go rescue him. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just just makes for a dramatic moment. Yeah, it looks cool, but it doesn't necessarily form any function. No. Iron Man is falling from the sky. Iron Man is falling from the sky, and I have to wait an extra two seconds to go save him because I want to look cool when I do it. Zing, 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 zing. Oops, Hulk already went and saved him. (laughs) But it did look cool. That's the whole thing. I'm fine with that. I don't. And this is I'm somebody who clearly analyzes a blind lawyer and how his powers work because (laughs) there is some pseudoscience to that. This is mythology. Yeah. It's, it's magic. Just, Doug Henning. Yeah. Magic. Out of nowhere, Doug Henning. I haven't done one of those in a while. Every now and then I'll just throw a picture of Doug Henning on my Facebook wall and just say, out of nowhere, <laughs> Doug Henning. It's an illusion. Rest his soul. What a kind, gentle man. He's dead? Yes, he's been dead for quite some time. Oh, I didn't know he was sick. It's my, my first, ever, <laughs> first ever Broadway show I went to. Doug Henning in the Magic Show. And then he broke you Bill's out. heart. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I just broke Bill's heart. No, not Doug. <laughs> did he pull you out of the audience, Paul? No, he did not. My lovely assistant, Paul. <laughs> no one's ever, <laughs> no one's ever called me that before. It's okay. Wear the wig, Paul. It's okay. This is normal. <laughs> No. Put on Show the, me on the doll where she's getting touched. You. <laughs> <laughs> How do we always end up there? <laughs> Speaking of the twirling hammer, uh, this isn't a uh, spoiler. <laughs> oh god, it's not right either. That wasn't a good segue either. All right, good night, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're being shut down. They're shutting us down. But we're not going. Damn it.
<laughs> tried to shut us down, but we won't leave. Um, we've got nowhere else to go. To go. <laughs> you know, like I mayonnaise. <laughs> I've done that at work. The I've got nowhere to go or the mayonnaise. Yeah, well, both. You know, so the, you just like, picked up Deborah Winger and walked out of work. <laughs> Come on, I don't pick anybody up. You see me? <laughs> Actually, nobody picks me up either. <laughs> boom, boom. So anyway, speaking of twirling the hammers, speaking of twirling hammers. Uh, oh my God, Doug Henning's on Facebook. Doug <laughs> <laughs> Henning, damn you, damn you, Mister Weeder. <laughs> he shocked me. He scared me. <laughs> No, uh, the twirling hammock gimmick is used good in uh, Thor 2 because he smashes the uh, what looks like one of the uh, the rock men from Saturn. You've seen the trailer, right? Where the big rock guy walks up? Yes. Yeah. And he just does a smash. That was pretty cool. I, I don't understand. I, wh- I don't understand why I know way Doug Henning has my name on it, though. <laughs> You're his lovely assistant. <laughs> But am, I, am I the sarcophagus there next to him? <laughs> you tell me, Paul. I, I did have I did have a Doug Henning like mustache at one time. Oh, did, did you, you have, have Doug one Hen- again? <laughs> Never again. Okay. Can you have Doug Henning hair? Uh, no, I don't think so. Man, look at that! Well, I guess I could if I wanted to. I still have a full head of hair. What the heck? Let me go nuts and grow it like that. Go for it. I dare you. <laughs> well, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. If you dare me. <laughs> just don't triple dog dare me. That'll be David's job. No, I'm not going there. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> uh, uh, as, well, as I we just sink into silliness here. Uh, anybody got anything more about Thor or Loki or Simonson? Or, please, anything. I like the so. No, I'm just stepping into that one too. <laughs> I, I like the sword. Insert comment here. I, I it's, man, that thing's. You know what? I'm just not going to go any further because I'll just dig dig the hole and just pull the dirt in around me. It's already dug. No pun intended. <laughs> dig, dig, Doug. Come on, Doug. The, the size of it's impressive. I mean, it really is a cool looking design. It's about the size of Montana. <laughs> yeah. And it's One got thing, all this tech-looking stuff around it. It does look cool. Well, the tech stuff is, I guess, whatever. That looks like one of the the those spider creatures, uh, those spider ships, whatever, from Johnny Quest is what that thing looks like. You know what I'm talking about, the Paul? Johnny Quest music as you're saying it. <laughs> and um, I will, I'm not really sure it references uh, Thor's duplicate, Thor's double, like his twin. I'm not really sure where that's from in the past. Because I don't remember if they actually say where this character had popped up before. Have you guys ever? Do you do you recall well, call this Paul? No, not at all. Mm. It's it's totally out there. I mean, I wonder if this there's something legitimately in in Norse mythology about that though, and that's where Simonson got it from. Maybe could be. Why would you make a, a sword that big? Well, Suter was huge. Yeah, I mean. That was the whole. Well, is it? But was it, wasn't it the Odin sword, which was like that? And I mean, you know, Odin's the size of a large but man. 
<laughs> you know, he's he's instead of being six feet tall, maybe he's eight feet tall, but he's got a sword, the Odin sword, which is like you know takes three rooms. Yeah, it's like a mm-hmm. boat in itself. Yeah, why? Why so make, that? Why do you make that? Yeah, and if if it's unsheathed, the world ends. Why? Why, why did you make that? <laughs> you never know. You might need a letter opener. You know. And we're constantly like, eh, it's coming out. I'm open. I'm, I'm unsheathing it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll 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 eat my food. Just put the sword back. I love the idea <laughs> of of Odin opening his publisher's clearinghouse with that sword. Hey, I made <laughs> just forgetting and unsheathing it. Like, oh crap. Oh man. <laughs> like a sa- like a samurai sword. You don't want you. Oh, you have to has to draw blood before you put it back. Oh, yeah, I cut myself again. Damn it. <laughs> uh this. On page three, I don't I don't remember who this person in shadow is that Loki's talking to. I don't think it would be Malik because Malik, he's in hell. Yeah, so no, well, no, Curse is in hell. I don't think Malik's in hell. I don't, I don't know. It's been so long since I've read this. I just don't remember. I don't recall. I don't remember anything at all. Peter Gabriel reference for anybody who gets that. Who? I'm Never kidding. Mind. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. <laughs> And on to the next book. Paul, take it away. Okay, just as a last thought, Will Simonson does draw a fine goat. <laughs> <laughs> some some of these, in all seriousness, some of these artists cannot draw an animal. Yeah, they got some wicked horns and, and uh, some, na- yeah, they're pretty nasty looking goats. I, I wouldn't mess with them in a dark alley. And as well as, <laughs> where do you get your, your, you know, your frame of reference to draw the giant Thor frog, for that From matter? Hypnotoad. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Copyright Fantasticast. (laughs) All right, so for our DC book, I was going to do an issue of Hawkman from, I don't know, what was it, about 2000? And then we got word that uh, Nick Cardi had passed away, and I decided I might as well do a Nick Cardi issue. And... Before doing that, I looked up Nick Cardi on Wikipedia, the source of all accurate information in the world. And Nick Cardi was born in 1920 as Nicholas Viscardi. And the most interesting thing that I saw in there is that he served in World War II and earned two Purple Hearts for wounds suffered as a tank driver in the armored cavalry. So I found that to be just fascinating and uh i tip my hat to him because i respect everybody who was out there defending our country i will tip mine as well here here so i picked aquaman number 35 from october of 1967 i was going to go for a teen titans issue but i thought that was just too obvious so i went for aquaman instead and the cover is by nick cardi of all people and it shows I'm sorry, I can't even read my own notes here. It shows uh, the Sea King battling both the Ocean Master and the Black Manta. And he's doing pretty well for himself because uh, Black Manta's got a some sort of a uh, harpoon gun that he's trying to stick in uh, Aquaman's face. And Aquaman's holding that with his right hand and holding back basically what Black Manta's pushing at him with two hands, and at the same time, he's hitting Ocean Master with an uppercut with his left hand. So he's holding holding his own against two guys uh, in pretty tough, pretty tough circumstances. The story is titled 
Between Two Dooms, and it's written by Bob Haney, and it's penciled by Nick Cardi, and no, no one else is credited for the story. The story opens in Atlantis, where a sinister-looking submarine is orbiting Atlantis, and the citizens are all in shock. Aquaman tells Aqualad, Mira, and Aquababy, the very aptly named Aquababy, that he's going to see what's going on. And after debating whether he can go it alone, he has himself shot through a special ejection tube. And he grabs a hold of the speeding sub when some very cartoonish-looking manta men come out, come shooting out. <laughs> Aquaman is unable to battle them because he's being held to the sub by something called a biomagnet. The mutated manta men start shooting stun blasts towards him. They're clapping. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's stun blast, stun blast, the stun blast. <laughs> so while this is all going on, the Black Manta is in a glider heading towards Atlantis. Oh, Black Manta, keep on rolling. Gonna go to Atlantis and take it over. And, and just for anybody listening to this, this is totally impromptu. Bill does not pre-script these song references, so tip my hat to Bill as well. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> the Manta ship has a hose-like devi- device that extends down and latches onto the dome over Atlantis. <clears throat> and when Mira and Aqualad see everything that's going on, they mount some seahorses and go out to help Aquaman in defiance of his orders. Meanwhile, the device that's latched onto the dome emits some type of array into Atlantis, causing the water to boil. In response, Dr. Volko, the... Atlantis head scientist, uh, he activates a pump that drains all of the water out of Atlantis, but unfortunately Atlantis is a city of water breathers, so that's kind of a problem. They now have the wee problem of having an hour to survive within the dome before they all need to evacuate and leave its protection. Just a slight problem. As we begin part two of our story, Aquaman, Aqualad, and Mira are heading towards the city and pursued by the Manta Men. They get into the city, but a force field keeps the Manta Men out. Our heroes find that they're unable to refill the water within the city because of Manta's Ray. Manta's Ray. Hmm. Manta Ray. See what I did there? Ah, (laughs) I made it funny. Well played. Aquaman acts quickly and has Dr. Volko inoculate all of the Atlanteans with Project X serum that enables the Atlanteans to breathe air. Aquaman advises Black Manta of this, and his ship slinks off in apparent defeat. Then Aquaman goes off to patrol, and just moments later, Black Manta comes back, and he attacks Mira and kidnaps Aquababy. As Black Manta calls for Aquaman's surrender, another craft approaches, and this one contains Ocean Master, who is kind of the racer X of Aquaman because he's Aquaman's brother and doesn't know it. Nice this, racer X reference. It, you know, some people will get it, some will not. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the same time, Aquaman's swimming towards the Black Manta's vessel. Are you still with me at this point in the story, or is this getting too confusing? Don't know. Because I know I was starting to say, huh? Okay, this brings us to part three of our story. As Aquaman surrenders himself, Black Manta fulfills his end of the bargain, seemingly, and shoots a capsule containing Aquababy to Atlantis. While this is happening, Ocean Master is <clears throat> madly ranting about how, how Aquaman saved his life in their last encounter. 
Aquaman is now captured within a capsule of his own, and the capsule containing the Aqua Baby changes course and heads back to the Black Manta in, a, in an apparent double cross. Ocean Master intervenes and intercepts the baby's capsule, and Black Manta s- starts to fire at him. As their two ships battle, Aquaman has two whales ram his capsule from opposite sides and break him free. Just as Ocean Master declares victory, his hip is hit, knocking him out, although Aqua Baby is unharmed. The Manta Men glide towards them, but Aqua Baby has his mother's hard water powers, which I, I don't know why they're called that, but whatever but he she does. Can, he... She can make water solid. Well, I thought she could yeah. make water into just kind of do whatever she wanted. I didn't think it was just making it solid. It can be solid. She can manipulate it as such, too. Okay, there we go. But he, he uses these hard water powers to bowl over the Manta Men. And then Black Manta attempts to join the battle, and he emerges from his craft, where he's confronted by Aquaman. Manta takes him, takes aim with a spear, and actually hits him with one shot. But before he could fire with the killing blow, he's hit by Ocean Master. The two of them grapple and are caught in a swirling current. Aquaman sets off to find Aqua Baby, but passes out from having been shot by the first shot by Black Manta. Ocean Master is separated from Black Manta and finds the Aqua Baby. And in a moment of honor, he leaves the baby with his unconscious father, who wakes up to find the baby, Mira, and Aqualad. But meanwhile, Ocean Master leaves, declaring that absolute command of the seas will one day be his. All his, I tell you. <laughs> And that's how our story ends. That's awkward. <laughs> I don't mind. Go ahead. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't follow the story very well. Uh, was that in trying to read it or as I tried to synopsize it? Both. <laughs> or, or the both. story itself was just out there. <laughs> the um, art was pretty. And and uh, I mean that's why I chose it was for the uh, for the art so I guess that works out okay. Uh, Bob Haney is definitely known for his out there stories. But, see, this almost played to me like an episode of a cartoon. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to a story that you were supposed to, you know, Hence really the, pop and enjoy. The Manta Men. Oh, the Manta Men. That's that's just just such a terrible character design on them. But uh, I I mean I guess I. I kind of followed the story, and I hope my synopsis kind of covered it to some extent, but it was just all over the map. It kept jumping to different things with no apparent explanation for why. It was almost like he was just combining several stories together. Yes. It was just, there was a lot to take in. And I kept thinking, am I looking at several different stories? And no, it's all still going. Yeah, it, it was It was almost like, okay, I'm going to have him fight uh, Black Manta I'm kind of running out of ideas, so let me throw Ocean Master in here somewhere. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he, he comes in so late in the story, and he really is just there to act as a uh, deus ex machina and save the, kind of save the day out of nowhere. But still kind of be his enemy, even though he kind of doesn't know why. <laughs> Man, I thought my family was messed up. <laughs> And the thing is, and I, I guess this is spoiler for Aquaman readers, I can I could not remember what issue Aqua Baby was killed in, and I kept thinking, is this it? Am I going to see it? I don't know if I'm ready for that. He dies. 
baby. I thought it, I mean, I don't recall specifically, but I think it was significantly later that he died. That's more likely, but I don't have a good grasp on Aquaman history. Well, nor nor do I. I didn't know he was sick. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been in the Peter David run that he died. Oh, he he died before Mm. that. This yeah, because by the Peter David run, it was already rebooted from Crisis. Mm-hmm. I, th- I th- didn't he die pre-Crisis? Yeah, it was. Once? I've seen images from it uh, from that story, and it was. I guess that was in Adventure Comics. Okay, that's where I'm getting my my wires crossed, because he has the traditional Aquaman costume. It looks Bronze Age, if not Silver Age, art wise. How come those two whales didn't squash him like a bug? You would th- you would think he would just get a. Here we go. Aqua Baby was murdered by Black Manta, an event that changed the Aquaman storyline. Black Manta kidnapped Aqua Baby and put him inside a sphere. So far, all of this is yeah, in our exactly. story. Slowly filling it with air. As Aqua Baby was unable to breathe outside of water, Black Manta had Aquaman fight Aqualad in exchange for Aqua Baby's life. Aquaman and Aqualad fought an event that would change their relationship. After the fight, Aquaman discovered that Aqua Baby was dead. He went after Black Manta, but could not bring himself to kill him. Later, Aquaman and Mira divorced. Man, what a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it does not... Uh, if you killed my kid, I, I'm going to kill you. I mean, it's, it's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not hesitating at that point. Mm. I think that that's pretty much just a given. Yeah. I, I think if you know there's there's a chance if you yell at my kid I might <laughs> just say <laughs> don't make eye contact with Paul's kids. <laughs> there was one point where Scott gave one of them a dirty look in Disney. I was gonna <laughs> snap his neck. <laughs> Actually, Scott never gave a dirty look to my kids. I shouldn't even say it joking around. You were gonna sneak up on him like Superman. Oh, I was just, wait, I'm just sorry. snap his neck for the heck of it. It had nothing to do with the kid. Did you see? There was something. There was a cartoon, there, uh, an animation that 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 somebody did. I don't know if one of you guys posted it or not, but it shows uh, uh, something about Superman. Like like oh, it was the Man of Steel cartoon, but as if they took the Man of Steel movie and made it into like the Adventures of Superman cartoon and they got Lex Luthor and he's saying they're saying I'm going to boil the oceans and I'm going to kill all the fish and LexCorp fish company will be you know I'll, I'll be rich blah 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 and Superman blasts through the wall and then um, as uh, um, Lex is talking <laughs> Superman just stabs his neck <laughs> and then and, Jimmy's giving this big long speech about how you're a beacon of hope so he snaps Jimmy <laughs> and he snaps, he snaps Jimmy's neck <laughs> And, and, and then boom, he just drops him on top of uh, of uh, <laughs> of Lex. And what, what does he say to Lois? Because Lois is just shocked, and he's like, "Oh, you didn't really like him, did you? I mean, come on!" He was. <laughs> and then the like, was getting bored by that kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the wall falls in and crushes Lois. <laughs> he's like, "Gotta go, Superman." <laughs> Superman out. <laughs> That's right, Superman out. <laughs> I, I, I liked the one I, I saw recently. I don't know who posted it, but it basically had Batman and Superman together. And, uh, like, Superman turns his back on him for a second. He's like, be nice, Clark. 
be Please. nice. And then he turns back and he's like, all right, just pretend you don't know where he is. And there's a dumpster there. And behind the dumpster, you just see the, the uh, thought balloon. It says, because I'm Batman. <laughs> because I'm Batman. I love when I they do that on how it should have ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You guys uh, got anything else on uh, Aqua Baby or Aquaman? So what they let Aqua Baby just swims around in a diaper or a pair of tidy whiteies all day? Yeah, apparently. Wait, oh wait, he's got a little belt on there in in one page. Well, page what do you 20... swim in? All natural. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so getting I, in hence, the pool with Bill. <laughs> none of us swim with Bill. <laughs> I got so much fur, you don't know if I'm dressed or not. <laughs> Is that a full length coat? Oh my, oh my god. <laughs> We're laughing because it's it's scary. It's a Wookiee. It's it's an uncomfortable. <laughs> it's definitely an uncomfortable laugh. <laughs> Slowly walk away from Bill. Show us on the Wookiee doll where Bill touched you. <laughs> <laughs> Show us how Bill swam. <laughs> That's me going. Do, do you point. really do you really name the kid Aqua Baby? Really. <laughs> I thought he had. It. I thought it was Arthur Junior, or was Aqua he even Man, Arthur? Aqua Lad, Aqua Bitch. I mean, Aqua, <laughs> Aqua Mira, Mira. I actually named my wife's car after that, after Mira. It's an aqua color. I named my first car the Green Death. How'd that go for you? Actually, it lasted a long time, and uh, I traded to a guy for a video camera when I was in the Navy. But that's another story. <laughs> Real life with Doctor Bill Robinson. <laughs> Well, I guess we could go into that. Paul, take us in. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of Real Life with Dr. Bill Robinson. So my friend Dan was getting divorced from his wife, and Dan had two cars already. And in the divorce, it said he had to provide his wife with a car. And Dan had a nice uh, 1970s um, El Camino that he used to, he dropped his own engine in and used to race it. And he also had a new Chevy Beretta. And he didn't want to part with either car, so I was getting tired of my car, and uh, he had a video camera he was looking to sell, so I said, you know what, how about I trade you my car for your video camera, and you can give this piece of crap to your wife. Boom, boom. Problem solved. That was real life with Dr. Bill Robinson. Later on, the car broke down, and she was really pissed. (laughs) Well, the car the car was worth a whole video camera. You wouldn't expect it to break down. <sighs> glad I never got divorced. Yeah, I mean, glad I never got divorced. Maybe someday. <laughs> nah, not even, not even joking. Nah, because I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> Love lift us up where we belong. Are you going to carry me out? <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps Chris can, can Photoshop that, though. <laughs> and I'll take your Hulk, Hulk hat off and put it on my head. I may, I may have to con- contact Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> that may be the, the photo for the show. <laughs> I will submit any pictures you need. <laughs> Speaking of pictures, did you get the one I sent? The man carrying him. (laughs) Speaking of pictures, did you get the one I sent you while you were doing this? Yes. 
The one that, that you were going to beat the cat to death? I'm not going to beat the cat. <laughs> it just looks suspicious. Sure, it looks like you were going to. No, I was I was trying to look. I had the puzzled look on my face because in the previous picture, Ben and I had been fighting for the hammer like it was Mjolnir. And, uh, well, it, it looks like you're trying. And, to and he, he picked up the cat, and I looked at it like, really? You're going to fight me with a cat? I got a hammer. <laughs> it looked like you're trying to test the cat's reflexes, but you're trying to test them on the back of his skull. Dr. Bill, not a veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> The cat is still among us, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alvin's fine. Is he pooping okay? Oh, like a champ. Good, okay. <laughs> it's it's amazing how many people actually care. Oh, I, I am often asked. That's usually, you know, how's the cat? He's good. Emails about the cat. <laughs> Notice that Ben and I are wearing matching Thor shirts, although the cat's in front of it, so you can't see. You took oh. care of that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then Ben had a shirt with a lot of blood on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I, I that's not funny. <laughs> anyway, uh wait, how did that suddenly become unfunny? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe people are pet lovers out there. I am, but the cat's okay uh, in real life. Oh yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. I yeah. I was a little bummed out because I then I saw later later tonight I, I saw a cat where somebody might have hit him in the road and I was like, oh man. I, that's a nasty thing to say. And, it, and he looked like my cat, so I was like, oh, no. You know, so I got home. Oh, okay, Alvin's fine. No word on Simon or Theodore. <laughs> I tried that with my wife. Hey, can we get to... No. <laughs> she did you a favor, trust me. <laughs> well, Alvin needs friends. Well, him and the dog play. Comet and Alvin. So. My wife want, does want to get another dog, but... The thing that she doesn't realize is she's a deep sleeper and I'm not. So when the dog whines in the middle of the night as we're potty training, mm. I'm the one that's going to get up at 3 a.m. and mm -hmm. take the dog out for a walk. Maybe she does realize that. Yeah. I wouldn't rule that out. <laughs> you know, it's, if, if she were the light sleeper, maybe she wouldn't be quite so enthusiastic about getting another one. What kind of dog do you have? A Boston Terrier. Oh, those, they're, they're nice. Mm. They're, they're good size. Not That's... when they're standing on your, your testicles, but... <laughs> well, nothing's good. Size. I can honestly say I've never <laughs> tested that theory. I wish I hadn't. Well, she, she crawls into bed and she likes to cuddle up, but once she is trying to position herself, no place is off limits because she doesn't understand that that's a sensitive spot. Or for perhaps so... she does. For, <laughs> some reason, for some reason, the dog and the cat often like to springboard off of my testicles when they're leaving <laughs> the couch or wherever. And I'm sitting there going, Ey! Yeah, I... I find happily that my my I have two dogs and I find that neither has any interest in my testicles and that's a good thing. You know, peanut butter could fix that. I was gonna make a similar joke. <laughs> no, I'm I'm quite content with it as is. <laughs> I I don't need to change it. I can just hear your stories. <laughs> Nutella, <laughs> strawberry <What>? jam, <laughs> Nutella. Would the strawberry jam get sticky? <laughs> oh, yeah, but the peanut butter would be fine. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to soil things with, with strawberry jam. you gotta have, you got to have limits, Bill. Got <laughs> There's got to be a place you won't go. Shave. Strawberry jam, that's sick, man. <laughs> Shave squirrels and mayonnaise, that's all i got to say. Uh, How did this become the bestiality podcast? 
I don't know. You took us down this road. Me? That's how your cat was. I don't want to point fingers, but Dave, you were, you were the first one to talk about your testicles. <laughs> and the dog stepping on it, innocently. Bill's the one that took us to peanut butter. <laughs> and I think we've, we've uh, gone as far afield as we can here. And, and yet I haven't had anything that I'm going to have to bleep out, which is pretty shocking. So Aquaman, <laughs> huh? <laughs> How about that, Aquaman? <laughs> I just, I'm fascinated just looking at the picture with you ready to brain the cat. <laughs> it's not a tumor. Bam. <laughs> so I was actually inspired by you, and, and this week we were talking about putting Arnold Schwarzenegger in movies he doesn't belong in. You know, I was just doing that today while I was driving around. I was like, what if Arnold did quotes for movies he wasn't in? And I was driving around, you know, of course, now I can't can't remember any of them. But go ahead. The sir. first the first one that I came to was was Big Lebowski, which I'm told was off limits because it's and it's my favorite movie. But I just pictured him as Walter. I'm finishing my coffee. I do a really lame Arnold. but <laughs> Finishing this my coffee. It's a league game, Smokey. <laughs> it's, he's over the line. He's over the line. <laughs> He's over the goddamn line! You had to go world of pain. <laughs> and any other any other ones? <laughs> well, I was trying to think of the ones I was coming up with, but it's been a while. Uh, nothing we can put on on without bleeping. Well, that is, that's always an option. This is this is what you'll get when you f- a stranger in the ass. <laughs> I also would like to see him in, uh, like, say anything. I just see him lifting the radio up over his head and then smashing it on the ground. <laughs> I gave him my heart. She gave me a pen. <laughs> Ooh, the, I am the key master. I am the key master. <laughs> Kickboxing. Sport of the future. <laughs> future. Oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, An Officer and a Gentleman. I got nowhere else to go! <laughs> Time to Come leave, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Mayonnaise! Look at Schwarzenegger. That, that's as good a segue as any. <laughs> Into our next book. Yeah. yeah. Run with it. In in the annals of my podcasting career, this is probably oh, going to be oh, one of whoa, my... Whoa, whoa, the whoa, the what? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to rephrase? Uh, just, just, just enunciate a little more. <laughs> in the annals, not to be confused with annals, but in the annals of my podcasting career, this next book is probably going to be one of my biggest mistakes. It was a last-minute fit. Um... And it is Terminator number one from Now Comics from September 1988. And Now Comics is so far off the grid, Mike's Amazing World of Comics does not have publication information. So I did that. Seemed like a good idea, read it as a kid, but this issue was written by Fred Schiller, never heard of him. Illustrated by Tony Akins, never heard of him. Inked by Jim Brosman, lettered by Ken, a name that I am never ever going to be able to pronounce, Holeswiski. That's pretty close. <laughs> and colored by Rich Powers. And with a cover by Mitchell Connell. And that's cover, which shows uh, essentially a 
exoskeleton with his face half ripped off, kind of the standard Terminator. That's the best part of this issue. Uh, the story goes as thus. In the future, you know, the future that Kyle Reese went back into 1984 to prevent, but actually ensured would happen, thanks to his inability to control his little Terminator. <laughs> yeah, in that future, a woman runs with a baby in her arms. She is chased by the familiar exoskeleton armed with a huge gun. But the woman is saved by a group of rebels who shoot at the exoskeleton, and then they crush it with this... The only thing I can call it is an Acme Terminator crushing device. The Rube Goldberg... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the rebel group, known as Sarah Slammers, starts to talk to the mother when a sort of mannish member notices that she has dropped her baby, and she blows the mother away, because she must be a Terminator. No human mother would drop her baby that like, like that. Excuse me. Speaking of the baby, it jumps out of its swaddling blankets and howls and gr howls, growls and hisses at the slammers and then escapes. And then we jump over to this huge ship hovering over the ocean that's working on random 80s science to create plankton or something like that for a food supply. And the water gets into the ship somehow and starts shorting everything out, including the cloaking device and any navigation. So the ship floats to shore right over where Sarah slammers are trying to kill the baby Terminator. See how we came together? Uh, there's also a grown-up counterpart to that baby now. And what is that? Mas is that Master Blaster there? <laughs> he rules Barter Town. It does look Mas like Master Blaster. Master Blaster runs Barter Town. <laughs> Two men enter. One man leaves. Um, once the violence is wrapped up and the Terminator is blowed up good, which I thought they were harder to kill, the Slammers take note of the ship and shoot it down, thinking it's, well, Skynet, which is what I would assume. The Slammers meet the occupants of the ship, which are a group of people who were born on the moon, and they take them back to their base. That's right, after five seconds, they're taking them back to their secret lair. And then the scene jumps to Bedford Falls, Florida, an idyllic leave-it-to-beaver type of community where Terminators live in peace with one another. A human films everything with his, kid you not, patented tongue camera, which is Come a Come on, don't bullshit me. <laughs> <laughs> a device that could revolutionize the porn industry. <laughs> God. <laughs> At least maybe, uh, never mind. There's a whole new <laughs> meaning to first-person shooter. Yes! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'll be a proctologist for the day. Open up. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um. Oh, I lost my place. Then <laughs> He's filming all of this. Not porn, he's filming just the normal goings-on in this town until a Terminator cop finds him. We jump, for some reason, back to the Slammer base where the Lunar people are explaining that they came from this space base, nicknamed Little Houston, where scientists watched the rise of Skynet from a safe distance and went about practicing their science. What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but the scientists and their children would occasionally make trips to Earth for scavenger missions, which is how they got caught doing this and when they got shot down. At this point in the book is where I checked out, by the way. Um, we, cut back to, we cut back to the Terminator town where the, the man sends off his tongue camera. He launches it and the footage is received before he gets caught by the Terminator policeman. And the did, he, did he spit it? With... He puts it in this canister and the canister shoots up in the air and then it looks like it explodes. So, Oh, that's what that was. I thought it was like a flare gun. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> well, I Exactly. Exactly. This is where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I've made a terrible mistake. I need to rethink my life choices. 
<laughs> the lunar people are hanging around uh, being a bit uppity because they're disease-free and clean. No, really, that's the point of contention. Uh, they're causing some friction as that footage reaches Sarah Slammers, which for all intents and purposes means the spy who's named Red Foot is dead. But that's nothing compared to the ruckus that occurs when a medic does a virus scan on one of the lunar people and finds out he isn't what he seems to be. And guns fire away as Sarah Slammers find out that the lunar people appear appear to be Terminators and they are in the base because we're looking at a dude with a robotic body. That's where the issue ends, right when it starts to almost get interesting. Hasta la vista, baby. Hmm. Yeah, that happened. Wow. I mean, yeah, it started to get kind of interesting. What, what, what is with the Terminator town? Is that like, you know, uh, uh, what's the uh, the cartoon I'm thinking of with the the exercise guy? Lazy Town. <laughs> <laughs> It's cool. Term- you got a, you got a Terminator with a chef's hat. <laughs> oh, I am the Terminator. <laughs> you got a Terminator with a cop's hat. With, 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 with the whistle and no lips. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> he's gonna be, he's gonna be there all day. <laughs> Damn. And how can you in? How can you? Really? A tongue camera? Wait, why is that guy walking around with his mouth open all day? Yeah. And you're looking at... <laughs> or he's talking and, and it's, you know, dark light, dark light, dark light with the camera. So <laughs> take your pick. Yeah, this this issue was the train wreck. And sometimes you can find good art to kind of balance that out. Not here. Not here, no. (laughs) I was going to say, to to make up for the bad story, they have equally atrocious art. Well, now comics, overall, I I mean, they publish things, and you can see some of the ads, like Racer X and Speed Racer, they had... Oh, the ads uh, are the best thing in the book. Yeah. Real Ghostbusters. They were actually a pretty formidable... Yeah, Fright Night. They they were a good company. This book was just not... I've got Not some Terminator good. now comics, and I I remember them being a little bit better than this. I don't know. That's what I right remember when I, when I picked it, and it turned out no. And then I even peeked at the second issue, and for some reason the the, the guy that is discovered at the end of this to be robotic, he ends up with blonde hair out of nowhere. <laughs> He's got this grayish hair here, blonde in the next issue. Hmm. What's up with the? Uh... I don't know what page numbers we're on here. Page tw- page sixteen, I guess it is. The the chick at the bottom inside uh, panel kind of looks like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a scary looking woman. That's a man. Hey, what and then I like the shot on uh, on page uh-huh. twenty of the the one with the the, the mouth camera. It looks like she's <laughs> she's puckering so that they can take a picture. It's a it's a zoom. That's a zoom function. <laughs> and then it, and then and then the next one. They're playing catch with the Terminator. Really, that's not going to hurt. Yeah. Dodgeball. <laughs> Splang! Ah, my face. 
So here was the thing that it, it wasn't apparent, and it's because of the art that apparently there are humans living in this community with the Terminators overlooking them. <laughs> I thought they were actually all Terminators. And then I see, just because of the weakness in coloring, that, oh, okay, kids laughing, that's got to be flesh, real people, theoretically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Oh, uh, Racer X was also written by Fred Schiller. <laughs> but it was drawn by George Booker, which makes a big difference. And it does look a little better there. Yeah, most of the stuff that came out from now didn't look like this. And then, I mean, if you look at towards the back, there's this pinup that's just a shadowy figure. It looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. It must be somebody else. Now, the page where they show the scientists working, <laughs> the middle panel is the two, two scientists. Mm-hmm. The one in the front looks like he has Down syndrome. My apologies to anybody who has Down syndrome or has any relatives or family that has Down syndrome because I don't mean it as an insult, but he just looks like that. And the one in the back looks like uh, from Yellow Submarine, the big tall guys who throw the apples <laughs> to punk people. Looks like he's taking the trash out or building the gas grill or something back there. Well, you, you kind of that's what it looks like. It looks like filmation cartoons. Like yeah. bad 60s filmation cartoons. Really bad, yeah. And inconsistent. And yeah. it, just keep going to the to the next page. What's up with this guy? Uh, on again the middle middle panel. On on the left page. On the right side of it. What's up with that guy? Where he's taking the camera out of his mouth to put it in the canister. Uh. No, um, I don't think so. He's he's no the ne- the next page after that. Oh okay. Well, oh guy with the tiny face. You, guy guy that looks like somebody hit him in the head with a pipe. Yeah, and, and crushed inside the side of his head because it's he's got a very weird shaped head. Well, he's a, he's a former Dick Tracy villain. Apparently, <laughs> it's the art the artwork even the like the character models are very inconsistent. Keeping going down at the bottom left on page 28, I think that's David Letterman. <laughs> Which page is that? 28. What's the page? What's the art number page? Down in the. Because they've got. Oh, numbers. uh, 22. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that is David Letterman. That's his top well, 10 list from Boise, Idaho. Yes, he's reading the top 10 list in, in, the, <laughs> in the panel. Well, I'm a little confused. If you go back two pages to 20 in the bottom left-hand panel, is there a hole in the wall and there's a Terminator peeking in? What is that? Hello? Oh, that's that's Hello? the footage. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like is to sell you Girl Scout cookies. Is it a Terminator balloon? Is... <laughs> he's, uh, he's, because... it's, a, it's supposed to be the footage that guy shot with his tongue camera. And is that Tyrese? <laughs> yeah, that's Tyrese. He came over from those. This is pre-Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He time travels, too. He appeared near the Walking Dead era via but, but, the time bubble. But just going through this, I have interest in reading Fright Night. I have interest in reading the Racer X cartoon, or comic, rather. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated by the uh, Rust, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I never read that or saw it, but it's a fascinating ad. 
Ralph Snort, not so much for me, but uh... it's an acquired taste. And I thought I I had acquired it as a kid. When I read it as an adult, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, I want to go back in time and just slap myself for some <laughs> of the things I've read. <laughs> but but just you know, the the ads are more interesting than the book itself, unfortunately. Well, the Terminator franchise. Well, there was no franchise. There was, this was the first follow-up to the movie. This was before T2. This is before Sarah Con- Connor Chronicles. And I don't think they knew how to approach it. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody beyond James Cameron has really approached it correctly. Because if you saw Terminator Salvation, look at how much was lifted from this comic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. With the... Because, yeah. The guy at the end, he is he's not a Terminator. He is... A little something a little bit different, more like data from Star Trek. He's Sam Worthington. Yeah, exactly. And they took him back to his base. Why is he wearing a mask? That's painted on his face for some reason, like he's the Lone Ranger. (laughs) Of course. Very weird. Now comics did a lot of Green Hornet work, so they may have been subliminally preparing us for it. Now the uh, in that panel, the three dogs. The two that are closest to him look kind of vicious, but the one all the way to the left kind of looks like, uh, like goom. <laughs> <laughs> like bark. <laughs> hey, I'm going to bark you. I- I'm going to bite you now. <laughs> I am. If you didn't have metal skin, I'd be all over you, man. <laughs> might, might break my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of then- lopsided face. And and then the dog all the way on the right is like, yeah, I'm gonna get him, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, tell me more about how we're gonna eat him. <laughs> That's Tim. He's not right. <laughs> not right in the head. So page eight, art page eight, bottom um, right hand panel. Is that Princess Leah in the Bosque outfit there in the chair, strapped in? <laughs> She's got a thermal detonator and everything. <laughs> 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 he got, yeah. Oh, they got thermal detonator. Oh. He accepts. <laughs> but they're they're blowing up Terminators left and right. And, uh, I'm no expert, but Terminators are pretty hard to kill, even if you got the big weird magnet thing. What is Who Goldberg Acme Terminator killing device? <laughs> Dun, dun. All I can hear is from the uh, the cartoon uh, with the cat, was it the cat and the dog, and then every time the uh, the dog catches the cat, he makes him go to the he spins the wheel and he has to go to the filing cabinet and pick out the thing, and then it's like uh, oh no, not the thinker. That's the music I hear with that trap springing. So, sorry. <laughs> Not a bad payoff, but a long way to get there. <laughs> we, got, we got a short show to do and a long time to get there. <laughs> the one, the one thing I will give the art credit for is that Terminator baby is creepy looking. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't kidding. <laughs> Jumping out, hissing and spitting. Limbs are broken off. It's ah. like, like when my son was born. <laughs> <laughs> what a fond memory that must be. Don't <laughs> he come out like the alien baby? <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Oh, Hello, my right arm. <laughs> Maybe my heart's on fire. 
Oh no, not again. <laughs> well, yeah, that was our third kid, so that yeah, my my wife was John Hurt. <laughs> not again. <sighs> yeah, this is this is not my proudest achievement. Bringing hey, that issue. lady's got a dolphin on her hat. Which one? Where? where? <laughs> Page four. Bottom. It's like a. She's got a dolphin painted on her army helmet. You see that? Wow, she does. <laughs> I just looked over. It's. <laughs> I thought I was like, did I just see a dolphin? What? I did. You realize that's that's the most excited we've gotten about this book is the fact that there's a dolphin on a helmet. <laughs> Why is there a dolphin on a helmet, though? I... Maybe she was in the Greenpeace Army prior to this? I don't know. Makes no sense. It's for no the tie-in to uh, Sequest. Yes. Yes. Sadly, Jonathan Brandis will not be joining the reunion this year. Ooh. ooh. Too soon? <laughs> You know, my wife's cousin is in that. It was in Sequest. She was in, in uh, one of the episodes with the early, in the third, I think it's the third or second season with the Galfs, the genetically engineered people with the spotted skin. She plays a chick at a poolside uh, wearing a black bikini. Yeah. Does she have I'll, spotted skin? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm not interested. I'll have to dig that up. up Netflix. <laughs> I can't remember the episode, but yeah, she's she's playing a game in one spot, and then she walks by in another, and it's when uh, Sam Raimi's brother is uh, painting the other chick. She walks back and she walks by in the background. She's got black hair. She's wearing like a black bikini or a black swimsuit. Not that I know a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> See. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever confessed this, but I, I never really watched Sequest. <gasps> nor, yeah, nor have I, I. It was it was on opposite Lois and Clark, and guess which one won? It was Sorry. on opposite. I don't I don't have any any good excuse. I just never watched it. Because my wife and I watched both of those way back when, and somehow we managed to watch them both. Probably because you knew how to operate a VCR. VSR. Yeah, oh, I could. Oh, it probably was it. Yeah. <laughs> If you could do that, you could figure out quantum physics. I am I am like the o- ocean master, but I'm the VCR master. That was the, <laughs> that's why I have them in a closet. The DVR of thirty years ago. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> Bill, tell us about Star Blazers again. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's getting late even by you now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, there was the second series. In no. which... <laughs> All right, gotta go. <laughs> uh, what is it? It's about two o'clock. Yeah, I think actually. I should... Oh my oh, god! Yeah. As much as I am enjoying oh, this. Yeah. No, really, guys, you should at least check out something of Star Blazers. It's uh, some good, campy fun. Like, but you just... laid it all out for us now. Yeah. But just you, but just YouTube it. They've got the full up. Don't you know? It's, it's. Ship battles in outer space with instead of like guns, they're whatever. It's okay, Bill. It's all right. I'll I'll start <laughs> posting stuff <laughs> tonight. You know what? Yeah, post a link. Then I then there's a chance I might actually look for it because if if you think I'm gonna actually do a search for it, it's never happening. They did a live action movie in Japan too, and there's been numerous different incarnations in movies. And actually, there were some guys that did say a whole offshoot thing uh podcast uh indiana jim you guys ever hear him nope he did a lot of 
making Star that up Wars. for a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. The guy did his own. Uh, he had his own. It was like three or four years ago. He was in. I was into a lot of Star Wars audio dramas that people were doing, which I don't know if Star Wars threatened to sue these people. And that's why they've all disappeared. <laughs> uh-huh. You make it sound like somebody's passing it around at a party. <laughs> Try the Brown podcast. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Let's go to bed. Not together. Thankfully, yep. <laughs> <laughs> many miles separate us right now. Yes. I'm going to go cuddle with my wife. Good for you. <laughs> try, try and cleanse yourself of this conversation. <laughs> oh, no, I'll remember this one. I've got the recording. Which, if you need, let me know. I will get. I can upload it and have it ready for you. I mean, I should be good because I've been recording, so I, I should be fine with it. But if I run into any, any problems, I'll be in touch. Okay. Well, and thank in, you in for having me on. We'll, this was a blast. Yeah, well, as, long, as long as you're up for it, we'll plan to have you back at some point. Yeah. Well, now it's better than talking to my, eye, my, my car stereo. <laughs> So just to let you know, I was going to email it, but it's easier just to tell you, I do talk back to the show all the time. All right, well, I'm glad to hear that, because <laughs> so, as, as Scott Reifman and I were saying, that's the sign of a good podcast. Yes. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Yep. But thank you. I wish you guys a great evening. All right. Say hi to Lee. See, will do. Take it. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DeManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.